What is going on, everybody? We are back, and this time we got not only another dope artist, but another amazing friend. This time we have Moody, and you know, Moody, I've been waiting for this for a long time. You know, I was like, you know, I want to tap into to someone that I know has been putting on, and I, I don't think I've had a single photographer on here. If I have, I apologize if I'm forgetting, but uh, it's been way too long since I've had one, so I'm really happy to jump into your story. Uh, but besides all that, how are you doing, man? Good, man. I, I really appreciate this. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I've gotten to know you over the last almost two years, which is really crazy to think about. Um, time flies really, really fast uh, here, out here in uh, Web3. And I'm just stoked to conversate with you, chat, and talk a little bit about everything, dude. I'm really stoked. Dude, so... Damn, it really has been about two years. Um, time does fly. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's 2023. Dude, whenever you first jumped in, you jumped in with like a lot of passion. So I don't know who all knows Moody, but, you know, Moody Marv, whenever that name first came into the chat, you know, everybody at the time was like, damn, this dude is like grinding. And still to this day, I think that's one of my favorite things about you is not only how passionate you are, but how hard you go for like anything that you do, you really put your full into it. Like you put your whole heart into it, whether it's, um, you know, you've worked with like five lines, you've did your own stuff. You have your photography supporting friends, like anything you do, you, you really go at it. So I'm really happy that I get to do this and, and, and bro, you don't understand. So just to start it off, I really want to know, you know, you're a photographer is photography the only art that you do? And if so, what like what is your photography? Let's just jump into that. Like, what genre are you? Like, what are we doing? Yeah, so it's it's interesting because um, I actually started in videography. So I'm a trained cinematographer. So full time, I produce videos for clients, high clientele, commercials. Uh, I do bring together a team of individuals. So like I do have a team, I have a gaffer, a lighting assistant, uh, a specialist in lighting, audio, photo, video, second uh, videographer as well. So I do run my own business in videography, but also photography. Uh, More specifically, when it comes to photography, um, my genre really does vary because my clientele, it can be engagements, it could be weddings, it can be product. Uh, but when I'm trying to express myself, when I'm really like developing my artistic sense, I like to experiment with a lot of visual landscapes. I like to take what we normally see day to day and give it a very different kind of tone, kind of like seeing it from my eyes. Um, so a lot of my style of photography isn't what we generally see um, when it comes to normal landscapes, I like to manipulate colors. I like to have fun. I like to get gritty. I like to get dark. I I've been, uh, most recently because of, you know, web three and being surrounded by so many artists, I've been taking it a step further and really trying to enhance the visuals to almost look like a painting look like this could have been something someone done by hand, whether it's through experimenting with graining, different colors, desaturation, or focusing on one pinpoint or focusing on just even one color painting an an entire image red, for example. Uh, It's been really, really exciting. But when it comes to like all the different arts and like forms that I do, photo, video, and also 
digital animation. So I do work in After Effects. I do provide animated style videos um, for clients and for my full-time job. A lot of what I do is animation in After Effects. Um, so I do specialize in textural animation, graphics, uh, and things of that matter. But for the most part, when I'm having fun, when I'm really trying to dabble into my creative sense, 100% the more abstract, stylistic photography, the weirder side. And it's something that I've been leaning more into. Uh, it's something that I was very apprehensive at first, but having a, a deeper you know, insight on like how I think and how I feel and just having a comprehensive look at my overall portfolio, I definitely enjoy more of the abstract and more moody style photography that I put out than my typical photography. Okay, so <clears throat> it's going to be a lot for me to take in. I will, I, <laughs> I, I will, I will have to admit. I think you said cinematographer, and it's not that. I mean, look, I'm not the smartest guy. I'm not the stupidest guy. But there's going to be a, a probably a lot of words that's going to be like, I'm like, damn, that's probably what I should have called it versus this. So if I get any of my words wrong, I'm so so sorry. Oh, no words. I don't want to call no. you the wrong word. If I'm like, yo, you're a <laughs> you're a photographer, and you're like, actually, man, I'm a okay. You got to correct. You got to correct <laughs> me on those. But um, no, I do a little bit of everything. You no, know, so. that's what it sounds like, bro. And that's what's super dope about you. So, and not only like uh, we're gonna jump into like when you f- you know first started and stuff, but that's what's so like unique is there's so many different things. And I'm not going to say if you want to say where you're at, that's fine. But I know where you're at. You're like, I think one of few that can fly their drone or. Yes. And, and, and just stuff like that. Like, it's so unique. Um, I think any drone work is very crazy, but we can jump into that later. Um, uh, <laughs> I want to ask you, when did this start for you? When did you first start picking up a camera or, or, or doing audio? When did anything start for you? And when did you like really know like, oh, maybe not even making money. This is just like really what I enjoy. Yeah. And it uh, goes back a decade now, which is really crazy to think about. Uh, It was at a powerlifting competition. And I'll never forget my younger brother was vlogging himself, uh, doing the whole YouTube thing, filming his fitness journey because my brother lost, I believe he lost 140 pounds um, and then he transitioned from weight loss to gaining strength again. So he wanted to document that. And after seeing him vlog and then going to the first powerlifting meet, I was not only inspired to also become a powerlifting competitor, but I also decided to vlog myself. So when I started back in 2013, I was apprehensive of buying a camera first. So what I did was with my iPhone 4, I bought a selfie stick that also turned into a tripod. And I just filmed my entire fitness journey uh, using my iPhone and a selfie stick that turned into a tripod. I would wake up early in the morning to go to the gym, film myself, take that. I downloaded a bootleg version of Final Cut Pro. I would upload all of my video uh, onto Dropbox, download it onto my MacBook, and then just edit it, everything. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to figure it out. And what I did was for about three years straight, I produced a video every other day on YouTube. Um, And that allowed me to get my hands really, really well at editing, uh, turn around videos really, really quick, uh, edit really quick, master my editing efficiency, and just like kind of develop like the best workflow 
uh, for me when I'm editing. So I'm able to produce and create videos much faster than a typical person would. And it's just because of like, I did this every single other day for three years straight. I would, uh, when I was getting my master's degree, I would sit at the back of the classroom and be on my computer looking like I was, you know, taking notes, but the entire time I was just editing. Uh, I used to travel in my previous career um, for about 12 weeks straight from September to November. I would vlog while I was traveling, edit late at night, edit late in the morning, making sure that I was on schedule every other day um, to film. And then it wasn't until like a couple of years later that I was filming at the gym, uh, the CrossFit gym that I go to now. And one of the guys there, he owns, um, he owned a uh, lab that did like blood work and stuff. And he's like, hey, can you create a 90 second video for me? And I was like, uh, sure, I don't know how to do this, but I'll figure it out. Um, and it was so much fun. You know, the fact that I got paid to do it was incredible. All that money went into my like first big lens. I remember buying my first camera it was a Canon T6i Rebel. Um, and looking back, it was one of the best purchases I ever made because I got to learn on that camera, you know, how to use a gimbal, how to use video, how to, you know, the, the importance of lenses and the more expensive lenses and what the importance of high having high-end glass is. Uh, I learned so much from the transition from an iPhone to that Canon. It was just night and day, and I was able to kind of really take it to another level. Um, and you look a lot more serious when you're, you know, going to a client shoot with a camera versus an iPhone. Um, and it was incredible. And from there, you know, it was, you know, uh, one small gig to do on a small commercial for a hair studio to do in a wedding um, to now being able to man a team of six people, being able to direct, you know, the cameras, being able to tell people, I want the lighting to feel like this, developing treatments, developing proposals, you know, having a whole uh, a mood sheet, you know, when you were, you're developing a whole spreadsheet of like, hey, you know, these are the scenes, these are the colors, this is how I want the feeling to be when you're developing a treatment. Um, and now I get clients and it's crazy. It's it's really, really fascinating to go from, you know, just doing it for fun to being able to do it for a living. And it all stemmed because I was just doing it for fun. There was no intention for this to be what I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life. It was never supposed to be this way. I got a bachelor's in exercise science, a master's in management. I worked in higher education. Now I work for you know a financial institution, specifically working in the creative department. And none of this would have happened had I never started with my iPhone 4. And it's just insane to kind of reflect on that and look back on the entire journey now. No, it's definitely insane. And what's also in insane is the fact that you said iphone 4 and (laughs) (laughs) you know we're i didn't (laughs) we're about to be on 14 uh coming up next i think if it's not already out hell if i know but you know that's that's literally 10 models ago there's people out there that don't even i'm sure i could show my brother a a iphone 4 and he would not know what it is uh which is (laughs) which is crazy uh he's a young guy young buck but um no it's it's crazy how far you've come and just how much passion you have for it, how fun it is for you. I mean, I've seen your work. It's absolutely beautiful, um, regardless Thank in you. any form, you know, any medium that you use. It's it's always fun. It's always beautiful. Um, and I even have some pulled up. So we'll actually go over some name by name 
uh, as we get into the the NFTs and stuff. But I want to ask you, you know, you've been doing this for so long and, you know, you've been successful with it in Web 2. Mm-hmm. What brought you to Web 3, though? Um, yeah, I, I definitely want to jump into not only what brought you over here, but like now that you're here, just what you're doing here. But go ahead. Yeah, no. It, it was pretty interesting because, like, I got into crypto. What year is it? We're in 2023. Mm-hmm. I got into NFTs in 2022. I got into crypto in 2021. And I remember, like, as I was learning about crypto, I was learning about the macro landscape. I, I heard a lot about NFTs. And I remember, like, looking at, you know, these NFTs. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, people are making silly money. Like, it's insane. Um, and I, I'll never forget, it was actually the summer of 2022. I was talking to my coworkers because, again, we're all creatives. One of my best friends at the time, she was an incredible illustrator. She, I think she almost got a job at EA Games or IGN. I forget, as one of their head like, illustrators and artists. Like she, her, her art is phenomenal. I was like, listen, you should take your art and turn it to NFTs. And she was like, okay, how do I do that? And I was like, I don't know. I honestly have no idea. I went on OpenSea and I was like, it's asking me to connect this mask thing and I have to get this mask and then I have to buy Ethereum. Then I have to use the blockchain to move it over. Like this doesn't make sense. And then it wasn't until 2022. So, you know, a year and a half goes by. Um, Actually, I take that back. It was at the end of 2021. It was October of 2021. I decided to create a MetaMask. I bought some Ethereum. And one of my followers on Instagram, because that's kind of like where my larger following is, is on Instagram, was like, hey, if you make an NFT, I'll buy it from you. And I, I think at that time, Ethereum was like $450, right? Or $4,500 or like high 4000s let's say that. So I get an invite to foundation from uh, a good colleague of mine, Aaron Ricketts. And he was like, hey, here's your foundation invite. So I set it up. I buy some Ethereum and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put it up for 0.1, $450. And the entire time I'm trying to mint it and the transaction isn't going through. It's not going through. I'm like, what is it talking about? I'm putting it at 0.1 and it's saying these gas fees. So I think I had to spend an extra $150 in gas fees. So like this is $600. And then eventually it, you know, it got sold for 0.1. Fantastic. And then to settle the auction... It was like another $100. And I was doing the math. And I'm like, how am I down $300 after all of this? It doesn't make sense. So I sold one NFT in October. And I said, this is dumb. It doesn't make sense. I just lost money selling something. So it came to January or February. And I was like, you know what? I'm really going to learn. I'm really going to do it. So I had a list down. I saw, you know, Invisible Friends. I had... No, there were star catchers that were going to mint. And in my head, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and get, you know, this thing called a whitelist or allow list to star catchers. And I had no idea what to do. So I'm just hanging out in the Discord. And I'll, I'll never forget this. This is one of the first, this was the first NFT that I ever bought and I never sold because it was just like, I didn't know what was going on. I was in the Discord chat and somebody said, if someone can guess the next answer, um, you know, you will get a raffle to win whitelist. So it wasn't even guaranteed whitelist. It was a raffle. And it was name the Marvel character that wanted to dance off to save the universe. And I said, Star-Lord or uh, 
Peter Quill. And I was the first one to name it. I won it. And then the next night I found out I did win whitelist. And I minted it. I was like, oh, shit, this is how it works. It wasn't until later that I learned about profits. But um, it, it was just really, really cool that like, oh, shit, this is how it works. Okay, I kind of get it now. I'm starting to get it. And then I started to collect NFTs. I started to get into projects, selling, all that good stuff, buying things that I like. But it wasn't until I ran into an artist Melted who is the artist for freehand. And I saw his one of ones. And I was like, I want one of these so bad. It's beautiful. Um, So I joined his uh, Discord, which was for the Upside Down collection. And then that's where I met Buzzy. Buzzy was also a one of one uh, collector of Melted. And then after that, it's kind of like where everything really dawned on that day where Melted was like, hey, I'm developing this freehand collection. I need a team. And then Buzzy and I were like, hey, we'll be Discord moderators. We don't know. And then Melted told us what he's looking for. And he's like, uh, you need, we're looking for marketing, Discord, uh, security audit. We need uh, someone to develop a smart contract. We need all this. And then Buzzy was like, well, I can take care of the security. I can take care of the smart contract. I'm figuring all that out. And I told him, listen, I never marketed an NFT project, but I've marketed universities. I've marketed myself. I've kind of figured it out. Um, Let me help you do that. And then we just went from there. And over time, I got involved with Freehand. I got involved with Five Lines. I got involved with the team at Rare Roses. And now what I'm doing is uh, Burrito Dow. And it's just been one of those things where um, it's a very large space, but you'd be surprised how small it is. And uh, you create your own luck in Web3. I truly believe that where hard work meets opportunity. And there have been many times where I wanted to quit. I almost quit last summer. Uh, I almost walked away completely. But I told myself, you know, I feel like there's something here. I need to keep moving. And then I continued. And then that's where I got involved with Burrito Dow. And then I've had just incredible opportunities kind of like pop up after that, getting involved, working with other artists. Um, being part of artist drops, getting my photography shared. Uh, it's been really, really incredible to be surrounded by like-minded individuals, people who are hungry, who want to achieve greatness, who see something bigger than themselves, understand that Web3 can be more than just flipping NFTs. But if you're an artist, this is a way to liberate and break yourself, like break from the chains that are put on us, that are subjected to a certain life that we thought we were supposed to live, but we can live so much larger than that. We can be free. We can express ourselves. We can truly be our most authentic version of ourselves. And people want to be a part of that journey. And it's been such a fun and fulfilling uh, you know, opportunity just to be in Web3, to be a part of Burrito Dow, to have great friends in different areas and to be able to meet them has been even more powerful. It's been truly a life-changing opportunity being in Web3 overall. I mean, I agree. I agree 100%. You know, for me, I think I've been in this space longer than uh, I would probably say more than more than some. Uh, and, and over time, it's truly amazing the people that you see come and even the ones you see come and go. Uh but just knowing that whenever you came in, it was like you 
and looking back, you it really hasn't been that long. But knowing that Starcatchers was around that time, it's funny because I have a notebook of basically that whole year, at least the first half of it, like every week yeah. what was going on, which meant and Star Catchers was super fun. Um, but you're right, you have done things like five lines, uh, freehand. Big shout out to Buzzy too. Um you know, because he's a real one. Yeah, huge real one. Definitely got to bring him on here one day. Um, and but to know that you almost walked away is 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 pretty interesting. I think we've all had that moment where we've all mm-hmm. had, just dropped my just dropped my water bottle. Um, I think we've all had that moment where it it either just hits hard or just like sometimes you just take a stab. You know, and we recently saw people in the space like big names like Franklin um yeah you know up and leave because of unfortunate events so it can happen to anybody i think that's what people don't understand especially one thing i think people don't take serious i don't want to say don't take serious but don't realize is uh like mental health and stuff um but you know that could be a whole episode itself bro i do oh, yeah i do want to ask you because you mentioned um burrito dough so you know i'm very thankful you're actually the person that introduced me to burrito Super thankful for that, and it's been a, a very fun run. Uh, I think I was just looking at it the other day, and it's coming close to – it's already been over half a year. I know that. So yeah. it's it's super fun. But I want to talk to you about what has it been like to see all this, all this success in Web3, and what is it like to now work with Burrito before we jump over to uh, your works and stuff again? I just want to know – what it's like to, you know, just the success. And like I said, working with burrito and what you kind of do with burrito Dow. Yeah, no, um, the success of burrito Dow has been like, really, I don't know, like, it's been one of the most fulfilling roles that I've had. I mean, um, when I got invited to burrito Dow, I want to say it was like early summer. So like June or July, um, it, I had no idea what was happening. There was no structure. There was everyone was just like kind of running around figuring it out as they go along. And I kind of like coming from a background of structure where I, I've worked in corporate, I've worked in higher ed. I, I kind of like a little bit of structure. I, I knew what to implement in terms of a calendar uh, schedule, kind of like just developing certain roles and having making sure that everyone understands like what is supposed to be going on. Um, and to see the success of it has made me nothing but happy, uh, seeing, you know, not only the followers grow, but like the events, it's been so powerful. I mean, um, going, I wasn't able to attend, uh, Art Basel, but like the overall reception of Art Basel was incredible to see so many artists come together, celebrating art, enjoying one another. And then I got to go to East Denver and I stayed at the burrito house and just seeing everyone just having fun together, whether it was playing Smash Bros, watching anime, going to the aquarium, uh, and then going to the art event where we all got to see live music, have drinks, uh, enjoy each other's art, create art, um, was phenomenal. And then most recently with NFT NYC, um, we're getting more and more partners as we continue to go along. And from something that I had, again, I, I've seen like things with no expectations are always the ones that continue to surprise me at the end. Like I went in with Burrito Dow, 
because I was really depressed. I needed to focus on something. I needed to work on something. And getting to work with a lot of intelligent human beings, talented artists made me feel like I'm a part of something bigger than myself. Contributing my time and efforts and working with one another made me so, so happy. And to see that, you know, Burrito Dow is a name in the game, people respect and look up to Burrito Dow and want to be either a part of it. People like message us like, how can I be a part of Burrito Dow? You guys are doing such great things like the artists that you bring on and the caliber um, makes me super happy. And it's uh, a lot of hard work, you know, on the back end, you know, from meetings between myself and Hamad, myself and Joe, uh, Ely as well, the team meetings. Um, it's been really, really great to see all of our hard work come together. Uh, and on my end, I oversee social media. So I develop the copy. Um, I also work with all the space hosts, making sure that we have a schedule for all the spaces, making sure that we all have the hosts together, uh, making sure that all the hosts know, you know, the roles, um, their responsibilities, uh, developing new ideas for spaces, uh, down the road. And it's been really, really cool. It's been fantastic to see how well everything's come together. Burrito Dow is continuing to grow, um, whether it's the zine, uh, the pre-rolls that, or the rolls, like the paper for the joints and stuff like that. It's been really cool to see us continue to grow uh, in different avenues as well. And for me, it's just been really cool. I really, really enjoy it. I really enjoy being a part of the collective as both a contributor, as one of the heads, but also as an artist as well. Uh, it's inspiring to see all these artists, hear from all these uh, passive lives, uh, hearing it on Spotify, hearing it on uh, Apple iTunes. Like it's it's really cool to hear it uh, when we when I have time and be able to dial in and really hear you know what inspires these artists and what we all have in common, and it's that love for art, uh, that love to express ourselves and kind of like you know, put a piece of ourselves in something that we create. It's it's really, really cool. No, it is for sure. And that's one thing uh, I'll say it again that I, I really love about you is that you go so hard in anything that you do in all your endeavors. It's been, um, like I said, a lot, of, a lot of success, I feel. And that's because you work so hard and you put yourself into it. Um, you know, we could go on a damn near a half an episode probably on all the different projects that you have helped out or you have touched all the great friends that we have in this space, but it's truly amazing, bro. And, um, you know, we're not going to talk on burrito now too heavy for those that are interested. Um, I do want to say I help out with the podcast over there. Y'all definitely need to check out Burrito Dow. I highly encourage y'all checking them out. It's a great collective of artists and great people all around. I love being over there. Um, it's, it's grown into like a, a really close family and, uh, just super thankful that, that Moody was able to introduce me to so many kind people. So I thank you for that, brother. And um, in the future, I'll be bringing on Joe. He is someone that is a part of Brito. And, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit more in depth on that. But uh, this is about Moody. And I want to dive into his work. And, um, you know, you have pieces on foundation. I believe you have pieces on, please correct me if I'm wrong, super rare, uh, open seat. Are you on super rare? I don't want to, I am not on. Okay. Super rare. <laughs> that, that, okay. See, that's, that's the one that I'm like, I'm always iffy on if who's on it, who's not, um, shout out super rare, but y'all got to get more people on there just so I'm not forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, because I've messed up all the time, but my whole thing was to say, 
Moody's more than just on um, a foundation. I only have foundation pulled up on my screen, so I can't go super in-depth over every single one of your pieces. But like you said, brother, you have a lot of mediums. You've done a ton of things. Um, I want to kind of go over what your favorite is, though. Like, what do you like to do the most or what are you doing the most of right now in Web3? Yeah, no, I think what I love to do the most and what I love the most is definitely uh, my more abstract and weirder pieces. And what I mean by weirder are definitely the ones that kind of look like a painting. Uh, I've been dabbling way more into, I don't know, um, I, I tend to do a lot of landscapes and I, I love landscapes and I love cityscapes, but I've been more fascinated by people abandoned homes or homes that are old and have character that have a bit of soul into them or even just finding random landmarks random pieces random things like in the neighborhood um that just like really like call to me uh, i'll never forget there was one piece on my open sea uh under moody editions i'm trying to recall the name let me quickly pull that up go ahead bro. Uh, moody editions uh, no, it's the Moodyverse. Uh, and it was one piece that I was very skeptical uh, to share. Uh, and it was uh, the piece called Alone. Um, and this piece I was really, really nervous about because uh, on my Instagram, everyone knows me for um, my cityscapes. It's been very popular in Boston. But the piece alone, uh, it was taken on a walk with my wife and I. And it was a cold February day, and we were walking in one place where I live, and there's a place called The Island, and we were walking around the neighborhood. And I remember seeing this driveway with these green doors, and I was just, like, fascinated, and I just loved it. And I told Julie, like, hey, be right back. Got to take something. And she saw me, like, sneak into somebody's driveway, take a couple photos. I ran out. She's like, Marvin, that was really sketchy. And I was like, I know but I have a feeling. And then I go home and I edit it. And then I'm putting my first like kind of small mini collection together for open sea. And then I look at this one. I'm like, I don't know if this one is going to do well. Like, I feel like my other pieces are a little bit stronger, but this one is so much more different. And she told me, Marvin, that is incredible. You got to go with that one. Like, trust me on this. And then of course that was the first one to sell. And then after that, I was like, I really enjoyed creating that piece. I loved working with different textures. I really enjoyed manipulating the sky and giving it this darker tone, but having these greens pop out. I want to go back and I have years of photography, like about seven years of photography that like some photos that I don't know what to do with. And then the next piece I did... Um, was for the Hurricane Foundation, uh, Hurricane uh, Relief Fund uh, for Hurricane Ina uh, with Freehand. And all these pieces, uh, Sniper, you were a part of it as well. I, uh, I contributed one of my favorite pieces and I took it uh, in San Francisco. And when we did the Hurricane Relief uh, for uh, Hurricane Ina last October, this photo was taken in 2019. And I didn't know what to do with that photo. And I was like, you know what? I want to take what I did with that uh, that piece alone and kind of like do something similar 
where I take this photo of this building that was taken uh, on um, Alcatraz and I want it to feel like something like out of a movie or like something that could have looked like a painting. And in this beautiful but also very haunted white house, there is like this red little shape into it. And if you look at the photo, it, it pops out just enough. And I was like, there's something here. I want to work with this piece. Uh, and then sure enough, uh, again, that was another hit. And I was like, I think I need to just lean into my more weird side and go with, you know, this more abstract, this more grainy, this darker kind of feeling uh, that kind of uh, brings a little bit of surrealism to it. And that kind of brings us to like recently this year, you know, I've experimented more, but I also did it with video style as well. And I did one piece earlier this year under my Moody Editions. Um, it's called uh, Oath to Self. And I was very nervous at first. It was a black and white piece. It was taken in Ireland and uh, it has a, a floating circle at the top of the peak of one of the mountains from... Um, Oh, the lake is, uh, I'm going to forget the name of it, where it was taken in uh, Ireland. But I decided to put it out. We were driving. And I was like, I have this thought. I need to act on it. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And I edited it till like four in the morning. And I came to this piece. And then the reception was starkly positive. I was like, whoa, there's something here. And for me, like being able to really tap into a part of me that I haven't, over the last like decade of filming and fo photographing, it's really refreshing. It's inspiring. Uh, it tells me that there's more room to grow. And I think that like once you think you know it all is when you need to take a step back and reassess everything that you know and see, tackle your weak points, uh, look for opportunities and growth. And because of Web3, it allowed me to kind of find like this other art style that I've never tapped into and to fully tap into it and really have fun with it. It's much harder than anything I've done because everything else, there's a workflow for it. This takes way more creativity, takes more brain juice, and it takes more of, if this doesn't work, then what? And then you kind of just go down that rabbit hole of just trying and trying and trying. And I'm not used to that. And I love it because it allows me to learn something new every single time. I do a different type of photo like that. Now, what's so crazy about the works is I'm glad that you were you named a couple because I pulled up your Moody editions. Your Oath to Self, I definitely remember because that was fairly recent. Uh, I definitely remember whenever you made that. And it, it stuck out to me so much because I was like, you know, I was used to some of your other stuff and I was... I was more or less used to, I felt like whenever I saw Moody Works, it was like I might see a, a landscape is in like a Capitol building or I might see like a nice autumn tree. And there's nothing wrong with those. But you posted that and I was like, this is different. I like this. This is dark. This is like you said, your abstract, your weird stuff. And we say abstract and and we use weird in a good way. Um, you actually have some pieces now. I love the pieces on the Moody editions, but there are some on foundation. So I don't know if you have your foundation pulled up, but I'm going to name drop two pieces that I'm actually, we're going to talk about three pieces that, uh, <laughs> that I really, really like. And I'll mention one 
and I'll talk on the other two. But just one thing you did say earlier was you had seven years of photography, and I'm sure you have more now because I don't know how long that's been. But, dude, that is a lot. And that's what people I don't think people understand is so many artists, regardless what the medium is, coming into Web3, a lot of these people did not just start yesterday or did not just start last week. Um, some of these people have catalog on catalogs on catalogs of of just beautiful stuff. And like you said, there's some stuff that you don't even know what to do with. So um, mm. it's always cool to see what you put out. And I'm very curious to see Thank what you. makes the light of day. Um, I think I do remember the piece you're talking about. I think I did the Pray for Florida piece, um, which is early one of the earliest pieces that I had been a part of. So a good memory right there, bro. I, I mean, it, <laughs> it's always an honor to work with anyone. And anytime I'm with artists in this space, it kind of just like, is surreal. Even working with then and working now with Burrito Dow being in a drop. Um, it's just surreal seeing so many talented people. Like I never would have thought I would work with someone like Moody because I mean, I see his work. And I'm just like, that's crazy. I can't, I can't do nothing like that. I mean, not that I couldn't get there, but his craft is is, is absolutely amazing. Um, and one last thing I wanted to touch on is, I don't know if it's a, been a recent thing or if it's just something I've never noticed, but here within, I don't, maybe the last couple of years, maybe the last year, grain on photos just hits different. Like having yeah. that little like grit feel to a, to a photo is something that I really like. I just love. And yeah. that's always been like, mm, you mentioned something earlier about it, but okay. So whenever you say <laughs> you're abstract and weird pieces, there is some pieces that I see on your foundation. And I'm like, that's the one for me. So two different ways I can look at this is somewhere in the clouds. I'm a minimal guy. I'm a very mm. simple guy. So I like just how subtle it is. Some people might see it like, bro, it's just a top. Okay, y'all don't understand. It's very subtle. But the one, I don't know how it's laid out on your screen, but the one next to it for me is Jaded. So Jaded is probably one of my favorite pieces. And oh, I'm, I'm pretty mad because I don't have like point one right now. And if I did, <laughs> I'd probably be trying to jump at that just because it's so, so different to me. Like it's just a scene where like I don't know it it's not a real scene like it feels like it's not real it's just it's it's different and to like capture yeah. that that's what that's what I feel like photography is about whenever I look at some pieces I don't want it to look like something that I could have done myself and I look at that yeah. picture and I don't think that whatsoever so jaded is one of my favorite pieces and I want to ask you like kind of the story or 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 about that like how how do you capture that or like what what do you call this piece or is this something that you know you you don't like as much as some of your other pieces no i i love this piece uh for for so many reasons so first off this was taken at the cliffs of moore in ireland um so we're at the top and it was um just an unbelievable life-changing experience it was just uh, you know, to be at the cliffs, to be able to see the entire ocean, to see and feel nature. It's so raw. It's so strong. Um, 
it was just like I felt like again like somewhere in the clouds. The, so the, the idea and the the thought of like the name of it came to me very easily because that's how I personally felt. Like emotionally, I felt like I'm somewhere else. I'm not on Earth. I feel like if like there is a heaven, this would probably be something like that. Like almost like Valhalla. Like this is kind of what it felt like because you're you're at the cliff. You're at the end. You see nature. You see the water just pounding the waves just crashing, like literally crashing. And if you look out into the ocean, I, I think I shared this on Twitter briefly and I shared it in our burrito chat that um, there was a, a blue photo. It was crisp. It was just a like crisp and you saw the sky and you saw the rage of the ocean. And that's what you saw. But you take a right and you look at the beautiful clouds. It felt like very like rage and peace. It was just like this harmony of the strength of the tide, but the peacefulness of the clouds. It, it was quite remarkable. And um, that day, the wind was the strongest it had been in months. And we got there. And I'm not joking. I had a, a, a jacket on and it had, you know, the, the zip tie. Though it was hitting me like so hard. Like it was starting to like almost like get into my eye. Like I could have like poked my eye out. It was that strong. And we walked to the top of these stairs on the right-hand side of the Cliffs of Moor. And people, um, there's a rail, but it's made out of stone tablet. People were ducking underneath the stone tablets. So that way they weren't pushed by the wind. So that way they didn't fall. So they were either holding on to it or they were hiding behind it because the rocks from the Cliffs of Moor off the cliffs were being shot at people's faces. And people were starting to get like bruised by the rocks and like the dust would get into people's eyes. Um, so when we got to this, um, the wind uh, did cool down and I looked off into the distance and I just saw a random stranger just walking across it and he was wearing like all white. And I was like, wait, I think there's something I can do with this. Took a photo. Long and behold, it, I didn't get to this until three months later. Um, and then I started to edit it. I wanted it to feel cold I wanted it to feel barren, but I also wanted it to like have a sense of soul, a little bit of like purity at the same time, like a cloud. Um, so for me, that's kind of like the story of, of it all. And when I put it together, I was like, man, the grain of it makes it feel like a little bit more like a painting. It gives it a little bit more edge. It gives it a little bit more character to it. Because like a lot of the photos that I do, especially for like clients, whether it's engagements, elopements, whatever, portraits and headshots, it's very clean. Uh, people like that, but I love this. I like that, but I love this. And that's kind of where somewhere in the clouds came from. And uh, uh, bro, that's what people don't understand. Like there's it's just some stuff that, yeah, I I like it, but then there's this that I absolutely love. And I mean, that's, you hit it, you hit it right on the head for me. And with the grain, it's just, it's something different. And bro, this is another piece that's I'm looking at right here is, let me find it, a new day. So it's a little different medium, um, but I just want to know, I just can't explain it, bro. Like, I'm sure this is drone work, correct? Yes. Okay. So, you know, you don't have to disclose where this is if you don't want to, but bro, like, it's just something so simple, but yet I feel like 
it's so much that you can take in. Maybe because it's the view, maybe because it's you see a little bit of water. And I mean, you're like, oh, I know how big that ship is, but look how small it is in the thing. So I can tell how huge everything in the. I don't know if it's just because of the depth, but there's so much going on. What made you want to create this or what made you like, what was the whole mindset behind this and what's going on, man? Yeah. So a new day. Uh, I love this piece um, because a it's my hometown, it's Boston. Um, and you know, the, the reason why I thought it was so important for me to post on foundation was first off, I love the piece. Uh, second, uh, I'm a, uh, I'm a licensed drone pilot. I have my part 107. To be able to fly in this location of Boston is nearly impossible. This is one of the hardest places to be able to get authorization to fly your drone. Um, so the, the difficulty of it required a lot of hard work, a lot of patience, a lot of applications. And when I finally got it, I wanted to shoot this part because A, it's a super rare location. But B, it was just one of those days where like, it was a sunset, it was out on the water, it was the entire skyline of Boston. And it was one of the first shots that I was like, holy crap, like I did that, like I actually did this. And like, I've done a lot of drone work, but to be able to nail sunset, to be able to nail the coloring and how I edited it, I was very proud because the... On a sunset, you know, typically on the other side of the sunset is a lot of shadow. So typically a shot like this, the buildings would look very dark because the sun is behind it. And I was just really proud with the way I edited it. You know, it's a little bit less contrast, but you can't really tell because it's still really, really sharp. The saturation is there. The colors are there. Um, the highlights aren't overblown where it's like really white. You're able to see the sunset. You're able to see the clock tower on the right-hand side and the boats in the water and uh, the continental like right in the middle. Um, it's one of my favorite locations. It's a very iconic shot of Boston. A lot of people can only get it on the ground. If you're looking at a new day and you take a look at a, if you're on the left side of the video, there's a whole entire strip where you can walk around, uh, walk around and get the entire shot of Seaport. But you cannot get any of this and for me to be able to capture this moment, I was just really proud of it. I was really, really proud of what I was able to capture, the colors, the way it was edited. And it was just kind of like a, a turning point in my life when you know things were going, weren't going my way. Um, and you're able to take a moment to just seize the moment, be in the moment, really, really kind of take it in um, and smell the flowers and just realize, you know, there's so much to life uh, that we get every single day to never take it for granted. Um, and that's what this, you know, this moment captured in time, like meant a lot to me. No, I can tell. And and that's, um, I've been sitting here watching it over and over and over again on loop as you've been like describing it and everything. And bro, there's just, like you said, the colors, like, it's just beautiful. I think it's like super cinematic. Like it, it feels like a movie. Like, and that's one thing I like about drone work is I always thought like, damn, what are they in a, a helicopter for the longest before I knew, you know, people had these really nice drones. Um, so 
to even be able to capture something like this is just like breathtaking. And then knowing, like I said, very at the start of the uh, podcast is not anybody can just get this shot. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I can just go fly my drone up. Okay, that's not possible. So you have to, you know, not only have that, but then to get the positioning, it's so much in this frame to take in. Like, that's why you have to keep watching it on a loop. Like, there's so much from the colors to the location. And I think that the flag in the middle, um, I don't know the, you said the name, but I don't know the name of the location. But this this flag in the middle is so, like, the colors pop. The green on the roof of the boat. Um, like, everything's there, and it's not too much to where you're like, oh, man, that's sticking out like a sore thumb. Um, so, like you said, just to capture all of this, the sunset. It's a talent, bro. Like, I, I love your work. And that's why I said everything's so beautiful. Um, these these are the works that I really favor. Like, of course, everything you have is, is amazing. But these ones that I named are the ones that really, really stick out to me, especially whenever I open up your foundation. And anyone listening in, I highly encourage you to go check out Moody's Foundation. Um, it's literally at Moody Marv, M-O-O-D-Y-M-A-R-V, I believe. Um, and that was really cool to say, uh, kind of <laughs> wish that was my name. Uh, but yes, go check him out. Um, there is some beautiful, beautiful pieces on there. I could literally go on and on and, and talk to Moody all day about his pieces and how he makes all these different ones. Um, please go on there, check them out. There's some reserve sets. I definitely think they are very, very affordable for the caliber of work he is putting out. I mean, come on now people, but Moody, I do want to ask you before going over to the five questions. Um, you know, you've done a lot in this space. You've done so much for others. Um, is there anything that you that you wish I would have asked you or anything that you kind of just want to say? Rather, it's about you, about your craft, about the space. Just I don't want to leave any stones unturned. So I just wanted to give you a second to see if I'm missing anything. No, I think... Uh... This, this has been incredible, and I, I think the only thing I'd want to say is that, you know, Web3 is very much like college. It's in the sense of it's not what you study, but it's what you do and the connections you make. If you're going to spend time in Web3, make the most out of it. I know that a lot of people jump in at the get-go. I, I know I'm 100% guilty of it. Like, I just want to make money. And there are going to be opportunities for that to happen. But very much like college, your reputation is everything. What you do, people will not forget. How you treat people, people will not forget. But people won't also forget the good that you do, the way that you help others. You don't necessarily have to do it monetarily, but showing up, showing love, reaching out to people, texting someone every once in a while, uh, giving a hand, jumping in a space if you can, if you feel comfortable. Um, again, I am not the smartest person. I am not the brightest person. Um, but I know I'm one of the hardest workers. And that's why I don't give up on the space. That's why I think that there's going to be so much opportunity in the future. Um, but also, I think that this is the, the dawn of a brand new economy uh, for people to get involved with. And it's going to pay dividends for those uh, in the future who stick around. And uh, if I had I quit when I quit, um, things wouldn't have turned around for me. And it's one of those things where um, when you fall, you can choose to get back up or just stay on the ground. 
And you have, sometimes you're going to get punched a couple of times in the space. You're going to get kicked in the teeth. Um, but the thing is, is to never leave the ring, to always jump back in uh, because there will always be something down the road. Um, and I think that, you know, hard work plus opportunity is your own luck. And that's how you create your own luck in this space. No, I mean, you said it beautifully. Um, this space is given, I feel, a lot of people uh, a great platform to, to build many things. And I highly encourage anyone going through it. You know, it's only been NFTs haven't been around for decades and decades. It's many people's first. Um, I don't want to say that you're going to get wrecked, but you should expect some some bad. You can't always expect the good. You know, the road to success is not straight away, straight up to the top. If that was the case, we'd all be successful. And I'm so glad that you didn't stop, man. And I mean that with my whole heart. Um, you've been someone, not only a great friend, but you're a role model to many. You've helped so many people, whether you know it or not, just get further in this space, whether it's putting your hand on a project or just using your platform, whatever it may be at the time to to uplift others. I mean, you know, we've been on spaces together. We've been in group chats together. We've been in groups together. Um, and it's been a fun ride, man. So it's truly been an honor just to have you on here and, and just to be able to learn more about your story. And like I said earlier, I can't encourage y'all enough to go check my man out. You know, he said he might not be the brightest or or any of that, but he is far from none of that. So I don't know if I said that right, but my, my man, <laughs> I get the sense. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. My, <laughs> my man's still very smart, and he's very, very good at what he does. So, Thank you. please stick around for much longer than than a decade. However long we're here, bro, I hope to see you. And jumping over to these five questions, I do want to say answer them however you feel, uh, whether it's NFT related, personal related, however you feel comfortable answering them. Uh, it's totally up to you. But to kick it off is uh, what is your goal in 2023? My goal in 2023. Um, I think my goal for 2023 is to be happy with less. Um, I think, you know, whether it's materialistic things, whether it's... Um, and when I be, mean by less, I, I don't necessarily mean just like stuff, things and money, but, you know, reducing, you know, alcohol consumption, reducing time from people who do not bring positive energy into my life, reducing uh, toxic individuals, reducing my time, you know, exploring fun substances, you know, um, and maximizing more time being silent, maximizing more time listening than speaking, maximizing more opportunities to be with myself, being alone, being okay, not just meditating, but to be still, spending more time with my wife, less time on my phone, less, just less of things that are preventing me to be fully in touch with myself. I like that answer, man. Um, you know, you say happy with less, and I totally get that. I mean, to me personally, uh, with all due respect, it sounds like realization 
maturing and growing in, in the best way. I mean, it sounds like you're wanting to do everything you named was a positive thing. I felt um, you're wanting to better yourself. You're wanting to better those around you and you're, you're doing what it takes. So, I mean, I, I like that. That's a, that's a great goal for 2023. And I feel like that's a goal that, that you'll be working on for everyone can work on it every day. Yeah. So, I mean, I like that, bro. Um, number two Thank you. would be <laughs> if you could live anywhere in the world, it's always a funny question. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? And um, if it's nowhere, you'd rather stay where you're at than just say, bro, I'm not moving nowhere. I'd rather stick it here. <laughs> some, some people well, say it. Some people say, hey, I'm not going nowhere. So No. I, so I love Boston so much. Boston's my home. Boston is what taught me everything I know. Um, if I could choose anywhere in the world, I'm pretty sure my wife would agree with my answer. Um, first, it would be San Diego. San Diego, to me, is heaven on earth. I love, you know, the the culture of San Diego. I love the food. Uh, I love its proximity to Mexico and its influence. I love the coastal vibes. Uh, I love that fact that their ocean is warm, whereas my ocean here is really, really cold. Uh, I love the parks. I love Oceanside. I love Gasland District. I love everything about San Diego. Um, I, I really, really enjoy it. Temperature is fantastic. I like the fact that I could walk places. That's another thing. Um, but I also think that I would be very happy in Colorado. But if I had my way, San Diego, if I had to get my wife to agree on something, probably Colorado. But either one of those, I'd be happy. But for me, San Diego is heaven on earth, hands down. Now, I have been to L.A. And, you know, I know that's kind of an influencer trap, especially right now. <laughs> but, you know, I really enjoyed California. It was a beautiful time. Uh, for those that enjoy smoking, you know, you get that luxury and it's it's kind of like New York to a sense in such a great networking place. And I mean, I haven't got the chance to visit San Diego, but I feel like I'd probably like it more than L.A. It's more of a I feel like a chill vibe and it's still California yeah. and you still get the benefits of California. I haven't been to Colorado neither, um, but that is definitely Probably number one. I'm a big Colorado anything sports fan. Uh, it's where my family's from. So uh, it, it's, it's really cool. But I will say you can definitely tell that I'm from Kentucky. Those that don't know, you you do now. But because you said warm ocean versus cold ocean, and I'm like, didn't know there was a warm ocean in a cold ocean. <laughs> and uh, that's because I, I do not see nothing but the Ohio River for those listening in. <laughs> That's the only thing I see, and it's mud brown. So, yeah, I wasn't even aware that the ocean was warm at one part, cold at the other part. Um, but that's absolutely wild. I guess I need to start going over there. Is that is that like a like a commonly known thing? Is that like the water over there is warmer or something? Or oh my god, yeah, the water here on the east coast it's terrible. Like if you go to like Maine or New Hampshire. Uh, and you go into the water, like you will freeze. The water is brick, like cold. It is 
awful. But then you go to like Oceanside, California, like north of San Diego, like 30 minutes. You touch the water. That shit feels like the nicest thing that's ever touched your skin. Like there's freaking dolphins jumping in the water. Like there's none of that over here. We've got great white sharks and it's awful. It's terrifying on the East Coast. You don't want to swim over here. It's really cold. Most of the people who go to the beach are to sit on sand, which if you think about is a pretty disgusting thought. You oil yourself up to chance to get skin cancer, to lay in the heat and to get dirt in uncomfortable places with thousands of other people doing the same thing. It's pretty awful. Um, but if you go on the West Coast, though, the water is actually nice. People are actually swimming. Most of the people here actually go to lakes and stuff, but uh, the beaches and stuff, like I only go for two to three hours. I have psoriasis as well, so my skin isn't always fond of the sun, so I limit my time. And luckily, my wife also feels the same way about the beach, that we like to go for like a couple hours, and then we like to go to a restaurant or a bar and stay in an air-conditioned room where it's comfortable and we're not oiled getting skin cancer or something like that. She, oh, fun story. Last one, I promise. My wife was out on the beach like several years ago before she met me. Her eyes are very, very blue. Uh, she burnt her uh, her irises um, from being in the sun. So she was fine. It was a gray summer day uh, with overcast. And then she just went blind. And then it turned out, I think she she burned her cornea or her iris. I forget what it was. Um, so she... That, yeah, you can do that. That's that's actually a thing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is a scary fun fact. And now I have brown eyes. So everyone says, oh, I made you're full. I think we're good. You know I what I'm saying? We're good. That means we're just full of shit, apparently. Or, <laughs> that's, what, that's what people tell me. And I'm always like, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, chill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, chill out, buddy. Um, but no, that's... Wow, you got me scared now. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I do not want my eyes to get... Bro, like, I forgot everything before that because he said sunburned eyes. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Sunburned eyes? No, that's crazy. And you got some crazy motorcycles in the neighborhood. Shout out to them. Um, it's awful during the summer, I swear. It's the worst thing ever. Dude, there's so many people. See, here in Kentucky, people's favorite thing to ride around is four-wheelers. So, and, <laughs> yeah, and I'm not, I'm not in the city city. So it's like... People definitely can like ride them around neighborhoods and stuff and not worry about it being a problem. Um, yeah. Plenty of wooded areas, but dude, it's so damn loud when they want to decide to go by your house and nin, nin, nin. goodness gracious. Anyways, so it's funny. It's so funny that I say all this and then I'm jumping into this third question. What is your biggest pet peeve? Oh, my biggest pet peeve. Um, I think my biggest pet peeve would be. Probably when people don't take their word seriously. I'm very much that your word is sacred. Um, your word is everything. And I, when I say something, I mean it. And I'm 100% about it. Um, it's one of my good and bad qualities. I'm very stubborn. But when I say I'm going to do something, I mean it. Or when I tell someone I will be there or I will do something for you, I will be there. Uh, when people do not fall like they're not true to their word i think that is one of the things that like bothered me the most i think it's one of the more irritating things 
uh, because I take everything I say seriously. And I would hope that someone on the other side would also take everything they say 100% seriously. I think your word is everything. And if you can't be good on your word, how can I trust you? How can I rely on you? And that's one of the one of my biggest peeves other than like people like crunching or eating something like when it's like really, really quiet and I can hear everything that they're eating. Oh, that bothers me. But other than that, I think uh, people not being able to, you know, stick to their word is probably one of the more irritating things. No, that's totally understandable. I mean, it's definitely something. Now, I need to start writing down what all the guests say or what each guest's answer is because I feel like someone else someone else says something similar. So it's, it's not like this is – I feel like this is something that people agree on here heavily. And um, I, I feel the same way. It's if I can't trust – what you're telling me, bro. How am I going to trust the actions? I mean, it's like, bro, you're not even, bro, it's so hard. And especially in a space where, you know, we're kind of all internet strangers. Like I just, bro, the the best I have is what you tell me. So, you know, um, I can't have you out here just fooling me, man. Can't have me out here looking stupid, but no, (laughs) number four is, what do this is a good one, and I, I want to know the answer. What do people misunderstand about you most? Um, I think one of the things that people misunderstand about me the most is hmm, that's a very interesting question. What do people misunderstand about me? Uh, my sarcasm sometimes can be difficult to relay. I can be very, very dry and very, very sarcastic. And I don't, and that's where I run into trouble because I take myself very seriously. And then when I'm trying to be sarcastic, people take me too seriously. And then when I'm trying to be serious, people take me sarcastically. Um, And that has gotten me into a lot of trouble. And it's something that I have to work on all the time is like my my sarcasm isn't for everyone and i have to be able to present and establish myself when i am being serious and then there's time for play it's something that is something that i'm continuing to work on is definitely my ability to be very sarcastic uh i like that i like that you're honest with it and i think one thing that is very hard because i fall victim to this Pretty, I don't want to say pretty often, but I feel like I have in the past where I will say something in a joking manner or I am saying something in a sarcastic tone and it is taking the wrong way or maybe too far to someone. And it's like, oh, no, that's not especially over text because you can never. Oh, yeah. You can never see <laughs> someone's tone or you can someone might think you're getting mad and you're not, obviously, by any means. Um And it's just very hard sometimes, especially like we said earlier, whenever you don't know people. So if someone don't necessarily know you the the best, you know, they might not be able to pick up on that sarcasm or the joking. So it's definitely something that I find myself even working on. Um, (laughs) And dry humor is my shit. Like that is my stuff. But it seems yeah. it seems to just not go over with everybody with everybody <laughs> like I kind of thought it would, and um, that's like I love The Office and I hate Family Guy, 
And I feel like I'm probably like one of the only people that's like that. But that's where I'm at with the like the dry humor. So I totally get it. You know what I'm saying? I, t- I love Family Guy. I literally watch Family Guy every night before I go to bed. Dude, I can't. That's not I, that's not like me being sarcastic. We literally watch Family Guy every night to go to bed. I think we've seen all the seasons at least like six or seven times. That's by well, now. that's literally me with The Office. I love The Office too, man. I I don't blame you. Julie doesn't like it. I don't get it. I love The Office so much. And see, when people tell me that they don't get it, or I think I showed my mom, and she was like, "It's funny." But, like, I don't get it. And I was like, how? You know? It's oh. like, how? But, okay. It's it's a great one. Um, and I want to just finish it off with a fun one. Uh, if you won $10 million tomorrow, what would you spend it on? Or do you even know where you would start? Yes. Uh, if I had $10 million, uh, I would first want to, like, take care of any debt my wife has, I have. Um, and help my parents out, of course, um, make sure that they're taken care of. But I think the first thing I would 100% buy is a home. I think that's the, that's the first thing that we're working on. And that's what I'm actively working on. So to be able to have a home where Ozzy can have his backyard, he can go play, he can relax. I can have my office space where I can do experimental photography, have fun. Uh, I think that would be like some of the first things that I would want to take care of. But honestly, if I if I had that money, I would just want to travel. I would just want to travel the world so bad. I would want to be able to bring my family to Italy. I think that's like one of my life goals is to take my parents to see Italy before, you know, their time comes or anything like that. I I don't even want to think about that. Uh but I just want to be able to thank my parents for, you know, they took a chance leaving Guatemala at such an early age. Um, I'm a first-gen kid, and I want to be able to show them the world that there's so much to see and that, you know, to thank them for the opportunities that they gave me. I think it's probably one of the biggest things I'd want to do. No, that's beautiful, man. And I think that's a common theme here is like parents, uh, housing for yourself or parents, both uh, debt. And them are all things that are like, I think he just shows that, I don't want to say that the world is messed up, but it's hard out here. And if there's so many, so many things that can be done and just to know that it just goes to show how great you are, man, like you definitely want to give back. And I I think that day will come. Of course, we never want to think about anything negative happening to any of our loved ones ever, ever, ever. But I have full you know, trust that, you know, that day will come and you're going to be able to show them because I'm sure they are already proud as hell of you because you have done so much already, bro. And you have been putting on for a while now. So bro, from the success to the origin story, to what you've been doing, how long you've been doing it, every medium, I feel like we've got to learn who Moody is a little bit more today. And just, I mean, bro, we've literally been going on for an hour and 10 minutes. So (laughs) Before we head out of here, I just want to say thank you so much, bro. It's been so fun and it's long overdue, but you definitely got to come on again in the future. I would love to have you on again down the road. I'm sure you'll be dropping more stuff in 2023. So we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about over time, especially with Burrito. Um, No telling. You might be in three other projects by then. So, you know, I don't know what you might. I don't know what you might have launched, Um, but 
seriously, I just want to thank you so much for giving me a moment of your time. And um, if you would like to have any closing thoughts or closing words, brother, uh, the floor is all yours. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Sniper. Uh, You've been an incredible friend. It's been amazing to be able to grow with you, to work with you. I'm excited for the day that I get to meet you. Um, That'll be a phenomenal day. Um, Thank you to everyone who tuned in. Uh, I think the only things that I will have to say is kind of like, uh, take time, take time for yourself, take time to grow, take time to heal, take time for yourself to be selfish. It's okay to say no to things, put yourself, put your health first, never take your health for granted. Uh, and if you haven't watched the show Atlanta, it's a phenomenal show. I'm on season three. Uh, definitely want to put that show on. It's fantastic. Highly recommend for anybody who uh, enjoys Donald Glover. Uh, he's incredible. And to watch a show has been absolutely mind-blowing. It's a phenomenal show. That's all I have to say. So what what platform is uh, Atlanta on? What do you watch it on? It's on Hulu. Okay, Hulu. That's $7 y'all owe me. Um <laughs> just letting you know bro uh run me my money via zelle paypal whatever is best for y'all i know y'all got some reps listening and then no i'm just kidding but um yeah big shout out to atf big shout out to childish gambino donald glover is that man um but you know moody uh it's just it's it's crazy how far we've come and it's crazy because i feel like we have so much further further to go so anyone listening in, uh, I can't stop saying, go check out Moody. Go check out what he's doing. He's had a great run here, and it's going to get even better with what he's doing, his photography, and so much more. So go check him out. Go drop him a follow. Go buy some pieces. Go hit those reserves. Go do all that. And um, I can't thank you all enough for tuning in. Uh, I guess this is where I get to tell you all, go check out the Patreon, the YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. You know, the health keeps me slow here and there but i promise you uh even if we slow it down we're never stopping full time so we're still going hard and i appreciate all those that have been supporting and just showing mad love uh and just we're going to keep on bringing dope artists on here so it's been another fun ass week uh we've had another dope ass photographer on here and i just want to say thanks so much from the bottom of my heart so y'all have a great day and we will see y'all next weekend peace out everybody